Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. Ultimately, I've been sacked from pretty much every job I've ever had, and it's never been because I'm bad. It's because I push and and don't do things with the status quo which everyone says they want, but then all of a sudden makes them feel quite uncomfortable when they see someone being successful at it. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Dave Evans. Dave's the founder and CEO of OCO, a people-centric social enterprise focused on connecting young people with experienced professionals who act as mentors and support the mentees aged between 18 and 30. Dave started from humble beginnings, changing tyres at 17, and has since developed a successful tech company and now leads OCO in its mission to change the lives of young people. Dave joins us today to share his insight as a leader and the human CEO. Thanks for joining us today, Dave. It's great to have you with us. Hello there. I'm looking forward to this. So we've spoken a couple of times already, but we've not really spoken about your journey yet, have we, in terms of your leadership style or how that happened? I think it makes you make it up as you go along probably is pretty <laughs> fitting for me. Fair enough. And, and so can you tell us about OCO, the organisation that you founded, and what you're working towards, please? In simple terms, home and, and education wasn't, I didn't get what I needed from it. Um, and I'm definitely on the bonkers emotional end of the spectrum, should we say, and, and usually I'm on a bit of a different level to other people, but the same exists for me today as it did when I was a kid. And really all I need is is a bit of support and encouragement kind of thing. And I I am I am a firm believer that we work better in collaboration than we do in isolation. And obviously everyone's different kind of thing. But um it would have made a, a, a significant change to or significant difference and enhancement of my life if I've had if I'd had someone there when I was a kid, but also when I was an adult and still today, if I'm honest with you, uh, if I had someone kind of, I don't know about putting their arm around me, but kind of being there to validate what I'm saying, because ultimately I'm like the most insecure person in the world. And, um, and the only way I can kind of get over that is by proving, because I just don't believe words and I can't, I don't have the, the positive thing in my brain. So I have to see that I'm doing something good. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of based on that, I mean, I, I, I did go to school, but I didn't really do any studying sort of thing. And I definitely didn't get any grades and didn't go to, I mean, I wasn't going to go down the path of academia because the written word just, it has no words are only valuable to me when I can hear the tone and context in which they're said and you don't get that from a textbook so I just can't it, it, I can't soak it into my brain mm-hmm. um and so I kind of I mean my first job was well actually my first job was picking onions and that was a terrible job I did that for a week and I stank and it was horrendous but my kind of first job that I did for a couple of years was like changing tires on cars, which to be fair, was one of my best ever jobs. I had a great time, <laughs> um, but I wasn't really destined. Like, I mean, like the, I hate all the kind of the, the nonsense, but the fact that I am, I mean, I am an invested tech CEO. Mm-hmm. If you said someone said that to someone like who knows me from between like kind of, 
12 and 25, they'd be like, no chance. Like, what was like, I mean, like, literally, I got told when I was a kid that I was going to be a bin man when I was older. And so, but I wedged myself into it because I'm a belligerent git and I don't really give up. Well, no, I don't give up with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of I smashed and thrashed my way through and it's always been a bit of a kind of a chaotic, erratic um, sort of path forward, um, particularly when I got into the corporate world. And, and the reason I got into the corporate world was because I knew someone who knew someone whose dad was the then CEO of Computer Associates and I knew he earned a million quid a year. And so at a time where I really didn't know much about the world, I knew that there was a dude out there only a million quid a year from software. So I was like, right, I'm going to go do software. And um, took me a long, like my next job was then an estate agent. I did that for a bit. And then somehow I ended up moving to Barcelona for six months. And then I came back from Barcelona and I was a bit more confident and a bit more garish. And I'd been around professional people. Mm. And then I got a job selling advertising in... um, And I went for a few, like I went for a few software jobs as like SDR, sales development representative and like with the bigger firms out in Thames Valley and they never wanted me, which to be fair, I kind of understand because if I'd taken one of those SDR jobs, I'd have probably done it for a week, smashed it and then been bored. Um, And it's like, because I chew stuff up very, very quickly. I run it a really fast rate. Um, But by hook or by crook, I kind of, I don't know, I was introduced by a, a recruitment consultant in the advertising media world and where you probably, again, I mean, bearing in mind I was feral, like <laughs> I, know, I was 18, 19, living on the living room floor of a, of a one-bedroom council flat and kind of developed a very hard exterior because I had to, because mm-hmm. otherwise you're not going to, I mean, survive is probably a bit extreme, but um you need, I mean, when you haven't got anything, you need to take control of your own stuff sort of stuff. And so um, he, the guy introduced me to, I mean, the best thing I can kind of liken it to was like the boiler room of advertising, referring back to the film of where it's all a bit kind of skullduggery. Mm-hmm. And um, and they had a, they, it was a, it was a publishing house, but they'd always done, b2b titles around finance like so pensions personal finance all that sort of thing and they'd launched a a website which was doing live streaming data and i think the reality is they just didn't really know what to do with it and so uh despite the fact that i'd never sold advertising i didn't know anything about it or what have you the guy who i'm still in contact with i spoke to yesterday david moton who's now sits on, I think, the investment committee of the British Design Fund, um, kind of saw potential in me, and thank you to him, because he was he, um, he gave me a shot at it. And and it was like that was my first kind of foray into the into the, the professional world, and so I used that for a few years and was quite successful with it, and then went to the next kind of advertising job, but always wanting to get into software because I just had it in my mind and it was nonsensical because I didn't—I mean, I honestly didn't know what software was. Um, and and I, but I knew it and then I ended up working for a, a very large national broadcaster uh, on a kind of an interim thing for a couple of years. 
and always searching it out but i just could never get into any of these software companies and having now worked in those and looking back kind of thing i i absolutely know the culture of why they wouldn't want someone in there like I me mean, because they don't understand me and i'm a bit of a risk to them not because i'm risky to their business but because i don't fit the cookie cutter mold of the kind of people that you see in those jobs and um but i managed to get this I don't know how I got introduced to him, but I was introduced to this um, kind of procurement consultancy that implemented uh, Oracle's advanced procurement suite. And anyone that knows Oracle knows that the advanced procurement suite is the module that you don't apply, you don't implement. But I did what I did, and I, like we we signed our first client, which was John Lewis, and and so I kind of I in a business where I remember the CEO interviewing me and I was like, I was doing some work on my house at this point and everything was carnage. I vividly remember it though. And he's, he's like, what do you know about procurement? And I went, nothing, but I'm assuming that you know something about procurement. <laughs> and he went, yeah, I'm an expert. I was like, and excuse my language. But I said, so why the fuck do I need to know about procurement? And he went, what? I said, what you need is someone that goes and gets some doors open and then listens to some people and gets you in so that you can talk the clever stuff. And he's like, what? And um, and then he went, he started telling me about the business and he was like, oh, we've been turning over just a seven-figure number for 10 years now. And I went, what? And you think that's a piece of success? Like, that sounds horrendous to me. I think you need to pull your finger out. And I don't think the dude had ever had anyone speak to him like that before. And so, I mean, he was very hacked off with me on the call. And I thought I got off it and not particularly afraid to upset anyone. Um, thought, well, another one bites the dust and kind of got used to the fact that I wasn't getting into the world of software. And then he came back to me and it, I can't remember it verbatim, but basically said, I've never had anyone talk to me and fair play to you and let's go and do it. And where he'd had 10 sales directors over 10 years who'd never generated any money. I left that business two years later, having done a, like a multi seven figure deal out in the UAE where we should have had no chance of any business kind of thing. And then all of a sudden that was my, that was the kind of proving ground that got me into the world of technology. Um, Anyway, a few jobs on from that. Yeah, mm -hmm. kind of. My, I mean, ultimately, I've been sacked from pretty much every job I've ever had, and it's never been because I'm bad. It's because I push and, and don't do things with the status quo, um, which everyone says they want, but then all of a sudden makes them feel quite uncomfortable when they see someone being successful at it. Um, and so like, I guess I've got the, the first-hand experience of kind of being a bit feral, working my way into the corporate world where they all say they want you, but they don't really want it's Well, it's not that they don't want you. It's that they don't understand you because people do hang out with their own same clan. Um, and so after a, a lifetime of, of frankly dysfunction where I'm working my ass off and then I'm having the rug pulled out from underneath me uh, and feeling, I mean, being a very emotional human being, feeling really wronged by that and mm -hmm. kind of often fighting it and creating some serious acrimony. Um, I got sacked from a job in 2016, maybe, and the day that I was flying to India and for Christmas, and I remember I got to India and I was sat on the beach in, in Goa 
having a beer and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. It's like, it's terrible. Like I go in, I get this heightened emotion of feeling great, do something successful and then someone just bats me off when I haven't actually really done anything wrong other than tell someone to F off basically. Uh, and so it was kind of, it, the kind of going out on my own was a combination of kind of dysfunction and also trying to control my own destiny. But, um, coming from the world that I come from, I've, I've always been, I mean, I'm quite up for helping people and I'm quite good at helping people at least find their own stuff. Uh, it doesn't mean they necessarily enjoy it, but once they've sat on it, they realise that there's some little nuggets in there usually. And um, and long story short, I've been watching the world for 20 years talking about the kind of same experience that I've had and living it and experiencing the the typical corporate sort of class not really wanting to let me in and I got that excuse my language pissed off that I decided to change it for myself and so OCO OCO is a social enterprise that links business with young people leveraging that mentoring experience as a development opportunity for companies employees and I've experienced it firsthand myself I've worked my way through the system I've seen that it I was never really that kind of welcome. And also, bearing in mind, there's also a chip on my shoulder at this point because I'm going, like, I've had a life of people saying no to me sort of thing. And it's like, why is it no to me? I'm like, I'm loyal, I'm hardworking, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then you've got a world where the government referred to the poor kids as neats, I mean, which is just a terrible classification for any group of people. And so I decided to change it myself. And so, but to change it, I mean, and I always go big, like I'm not looking at creating a, a business here or like I'm not looking at sustainable growth. Like I'm just not interested in that. I'm interested in solving a problem. Mm-hmm. And as a side point on this, like if we enable all young people, that impacts the entire rest of society. I mean, it like it boosts society, it removes spending, it improves mental health across the board because people feel good about themselves because they're doing something. It, I mean, it's 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 imperative that we sort this thing out. And so, I guess for me, it's like I want to be clear: like I'm not looking at Oco to deliver a thousand mentors or fifty thousand mentors or a hundred thousand mentors. It's like, let's solve the problem. And so when I looked at solving the problem, it's like, if I want to deliver 2 million mentoring relationships, who are the people that are best suited to effectively transition their knowledge and experience to those that have the most potential. And so it was clear to me that that knowledge and experience laid in the business community. And so actually, whilst the objective is to deliver X amount of million mentoring relationships to enable all the young people. The job was actually about creating something that was infinitely valuable to the companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and so, re- what the way I talk about OCO is that, yeah, it's a hundred percent. It is a mission, and like, don't get me wrong, I will never give up on it because I am a belligerent git, and I really believe in it. Um, but it's a it's a mission enabled by a business case. Because mm-hmm. rather than going to a company and saying, oh, can I like, hand out can I have some money and can you do me a favour? I don't like to, I mean, I have to feel equal in every situation. And so it was like, right. that And, and I think that kind of design thinking maybe is a bit different to how that market looks at it typically. And so the job then was 
what is going to be valuable to companies. Um, and so I guess the kind of referring to that business case bit of OCO, it's like if I want to get GlaxoSmithKline to put their 14,000 UK employees on it, mm-hmm. how do I do that? Right, I know what I do. I mean, and I think it's based on a few things. One, it's, well, and all of these things are entwined, actually, and it's more than a few things. It's like, A, how do you make, like, if I want to deliver two million mentoring relationships, then it's got to happen without human intervention because that's just too much. Mm -hmm. So how do we make sure that four million people coming together are going to get on? And how do we make sure that it's going to be successful? And how do we make sure it's going to be productive and all of that sort of stuff? And so it's like, I mean, where lots of people look at me like I'm a nut nut. Um, and it's not particularly easy for me to talk about myself in this sense, but um, my brain is like behavioral science 101. It's like, whilst I'm not very structured or, um, or, not structure that is what i'm absolutely not or process driven i am highly highly emotional and instinctive and so um oko is kind of made up of two things one is how you bring people together and so we have an algorithm that that pairs people on the output of psychometric data and so that does quite a few things uh one it means that you're bringing people together who are similar and that is quite profound because effectively utilizing social identity theory if you bring two people together who are similar and then you tell them that they're similar and prove it by letting them see something they believe they're the same and so it starts on a positive productive note Mm -hmm. but the algorithm also uh, is the purest form of diverse inclusivity um, purely and simply because there aren't any choices you get paired with who you get paired with and our algorithm pairs you on the similarities um and so that's like kind of like and then the other side of oco is the program that sits behind it and so to ensure the success we had to like the app isn't training the young person the app needs to train the um the mentor who is the business person and i think this is where a big part of the business case comes in because by uh, again it's it's all emotion it's all behavioral science it's i mean it takes you through this or it trains the mentor to take the young person through a six-step process Mm -hmm. and in a world where most things are fixed outcomes and we're kind of obsessed with knowing everything that we're going to do before we do it Mm -hmm. which is just lunacy because actually the joy is in the journey not in the in the the end point Uh um i was absolutely certain that we had to build something that um, any person could apply to any situation. And so uh, the program that sits behind OCO is the definition of leadership training. It's like it's a foundational program. Um, the first half of it we call discovery. First step is called self-awareness. And that is effectively where the relationship is built between the pair. It starts with them looking at their psychometric profiles together and, and discussing them and exploring them and working out how they how they apply to them sort of thing. And and I guess what's different about the way we use psychometric profiling is that we don't tell you what you are. We provide a spectrum so that you can find yourself. Because for me, 
that's the only way we can make it robust. And if we didn't make it robust, any little thing that people find a problem with removes or, or, or creates uncertainty and they'll focus on the fact that the thing doesn't work. So <clears throat> we have to find a different way of doing it. And it's quite funny because when when uh, a lot of HR people look at our psychometric testing, they oh, well, have you looked at this one? Have you looked at this one? And they often... I mean, I don't make it clear because it's. I don't want it to be there because if if it's there, people will look at it and obsess about it. Mm-hmm. But um, where every other psych, where most people use psychometric testing to define someone and put a label on them, we do the exact opposite of that. We just provide them a spectrum with the context of what that personality trait is, mm-hmm. so that they can find a way of of it working for them and it. it making sense of them but so first step is self-awareness where the two meet they get together <clears throat> second part is called superpowers and what that does is it teaches the mentor effectively how to dig 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 and how to um how to work out what they're good at but using like anchoring that down to real life experience that proves it to them because i can say to you Amy, you're a wonderful chef. Um, but actually, why are you a wonderful chef? That's the reason you would believe that. And it's like, if I can discover that as a child, you loved smelling the different flavours that came out of your mum's kitchen or out of the the, <clears throat> the Indian family that lived next door to you, you, it was this sensory exploration. All of a sudden, you're going, oh, wow. Yeah, that is absolutely true. And maybe that is what links me to, mm-hmm. you get my point. Um, and so you've got self-awareness, you've got superpowers, and then you've got um, uncovering barriers to success because, quite frankly, it ain't going to go to plan. And mm-hmm. let's work out um, together what's going to get in our way as much as we can before we get there so that, um, A, it's not a surprise, and B, it doesn't derail us kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Second half of the program is um, called action. And so communication is the fourth step, effective communication, because it's the bedrock of everything. Uh, Step five is attitude and taking responsibility, because we need to realise that how we walk into a situation has a direct correlation to what we get out of it. Um, And then the last step is problem solving and resilience, because back to step three, it ain't going to go to plan. So let's make sure we've got broad shoulders. And, and when it doesn't go to plan, the, it doesn't hit us. We just go, yeah, fine. Yeah. Let's get on with it kind of thing. And I think that, and the whole point of that is that through that process, A, you've got two people getting to know each other over a prolonged period of time. And because they are like each other, they get on really well and they trust each other and you've got a support function. Um. But it humanizes both sides. And I think in a world where polarization is just killing us, quite frankly, it's like, I mean, I, I remember when the, the train strikes happened a few weeks ago, I watched Question Time and like everyone is angry. I'm watching this and admittedly, like the people on Question Time have applied to be on Question Time. So I don't think it's fair to say that is a reflection of the whole country or world. But I think it's very easy to work out that polarization is what's killing us at the moment. And so... Um, at scale, if, when we achieve two million mentoring relationships, which is four million people coming together, yeah. um, all of a sudden you're you're taking a, a 
like there will be differences of views and opinions there just because you've got two different groups of people come together. Mm -hmm. um, but the key to this is that like for you and me to be close friends, colleagues, whatever it is, mm -hmm. we don't have to have the same opinions, right? Yeah. We just have to have trust yeah. and faith in each other. And actually I, I was watching, I started watching the QAnon documentary the other day and, um, and I, I don't have right or wrong. It doesn't really matter to me. But, like, say I was a QAnon um, conspiracy theorist, blind, mm -hmm. um, and you were uh, the other side of that sort of thing. Um, you hearing, rather than me turning up to you and going, you're wrong for what you are, like, if we build a relationship together so we trust each other, and I, uh, I rather than telling you what you're wrong about, I tell you what I feel, mm -hmm. and you have the same opportunity to do that, on the other side, I think what it does is it takes the fizz out of society and it's something that's really, really required right now. So, yeah, I mean, 100% elaborate. Everything I do is elaborate. Um, but key to it is if we bring people together and we support one another, all parties benefit. And then a key to the thing, as I said to you about, is, is enabling it as a business case to a company... I see that as infinitely valuable because you're, I mean, we've all heard most companies talk about wanting a cultural leadership, but the only way you can be a leader is by leading someone. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, fine. You've got the senior team and then you've got your, your, your senior managers and maybe even your middle managers, but middle managers, but often they don't get any training because there isn't the budget for it. And so from a business case perspective, OCO enables a, co a company to deliver a culture of leadership beyond their leaders, mm. um, which finding purpose in themselves, because everybody loves helping someone else, spending six months with someone who thinks and feels the same way as they do because of the algorithm, couldn't really think of a better way to work out whether you want someone to come and work in your organisation or not kind of thing. It's sustained knowledge or that. Um, <clears throat> and then I think, potentially a little bit pessimistic, but we live in a world where, whether it's CSR or ESG, like everyone needs to be doing, every company needs to be doing good stuff and be caring about their community. I mean, investment is requiring that these days. If you're not a good company, everyone's coming for you, quite frankly. <laughs> and so for 50 quid a head a year, which is how much it costs per mentor, and that's how we make it free for the young people. Mm -hmm. uh, we charge the companies. We built something that's valuable to the companies, so they pay for it. It's free to the mentors because they're the employees. It's free to the mentees because they couldn't pay for it across the board. Mm -hmm. They get an authentic piece of marketing, which rather than saying they're doing the right thing, shows they're doing the right thing. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And actually, I got matched this morning. So I've logged in and, and signed up to OCO, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant in terms well, of... It's really easy to sign up. You're right. You do just you get matched with someone that, and we've only gone through that set, that first stage. But already, I can sort of look back and think. So this person is a number of years younger than me. I'm just finishing the masters, and I can already see. I went through that experience. I remember feeling like that, and I've definitely got questions to ask. And there's definitely things that I can help them with whether or not that's formalised or it's just being that ear to say I was there too and this is what worked for me. I think it, I think it's fantastic. So I'm 
And so your your style, Dave, in terms of being a leader, so you're the founder of OCO and therefore you're you're steering the ship, you're leading the ship. Where was it always gonna be, you know, since you found that purpose, were you always gonna lead an organization or was it always gonna be you heading that up? But this ties directly into um what OCO delivers. Um and look, I am a particularly insecure person. And so I've had my whole life people saying, you should start your own business. You'd be great at it. Mm-hmm. But um, A, I, didn't have, I wouldn't do something unless I cared about it. Um, and B, I could never see me being the number one because, I, like, I mean, calling myself the CEO, I think maybe now I'm probably at a point where I, I've got the confidence where I could represent myself as that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it just, I like... I just don't feel like I'm good enough. And, I, I, and it, well, up until quite recently, I haven't felt until I'm good enough because I've found a way to prove it to myself. But that's another point about OCO. It's like I was reading the notes of, um, and sometimes I have to read them because of moderating and making sure people are doing the right thing. So don't worry, I'm not big brother. Um, but like, if you look at the the feedback from mentees, and we've got loads of content out there, like kind of giving feedback on both sides, mentors and mentees. Uh, the one thing, or one of the things that comes up every single time is about confidence, kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's about giving someone the confidence to move. And so, this concept of leading. If I'm totally honest with you. I've created a business which is the exact opposite of every other company I've ever worked in. Like, I won't have anyone calling me the boss. I won't have anyone, like, I see the organisation as flat. Um, I have, It will not be written down anywhere. Well, no, I have got it written on a set of internal slides and I have to be anal about being honest. But if you speak to anyone in our organisation... Uh, and said, what is your ethos or your mantra or whatever you, they would all say to you, always do the right thing over self-interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's quite, I mean, I, I didn't really realise how valuable and um, kind of energising it would be because I don't need to evaluate anyone. I don't need to sit there and go, you were doing the right thing or not because they do it themselves. Because they sit there and go, am I doing the right thing here? Because we do rightly, I mean, whether we admit it or not, we all know whether we're we're doing the right thing or not at at the right, at, at a certain time, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I guess the answer to your question is no. I would never have thought I would be the leader of a business. I definitely, I mean, as I say, like you go back to people from back in the day, like me being the founder and chief exec of a technology company who's invested, like. No, absolutely not. On I, mean, I would change tires on cars for 119 quid a week, and I was really quite happy with that. Um, but um, I think at the same time, like my confidence is the thing that gets in the way of me being a great leader at times. But actually, kind of what happens when I'm feeling really insecure is it gets so bad where the anxiety kind of rives through and. And like, I mean, really, really extreme, like not wanting to be alive or what have you. Um, but then what happens is I reach dysfunction and dysfunction is where I kick really, really hard. And when I, I guess the other bit about me is I'm not very good at the start, 
I'm really good at doing something, watching it, seeing how people behave to it. Mm-hmm. And because I feel everything, I, I'm not really interested in the in the words. I'm interested in the intent and the content mm-hmm. behind it. And so what I'm quite good at is getting into something, watching everyone and then going, right, these are the problems. That's where we need to go. Let's get on it. And so it's quite a kind of a, I mean, it's an emotional process for me because everything's an emotional process for me. But I think it's quite problematic to probably say I'm a good leader, but I think I am. And and I, I mean, I've got a team of people who, if being really honest, at times I haven't been able to pay any of them. And, and I guess the for me, the measure of whether I'm any good or not is that part of our team are two young 22-year-olds and there was a three-month period where I couldn't pay their salary. And I remember ringing up Eli and saying to him, gets me all emotional, this one. And um, I said to him, I was like, look, mate, I'm not going to be able to, I paid you today, but I'm not going to be able to pay you next month. And I, I, I'm really sorry. We'll likely pull a rabbit out of the hat, but I've just got to, got to be up front with you because it's not fair that I would risk you um, when you're investing in me. And his response was, don't worry about it. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than us. And I was (laughs) like, oh. (laughs) And the other one, Brandon, when I couldn't pay him, I rang him up. And he's like, Brandon's incredible. Like he is a he's a stone cold hustler with a heart of gold. And he's just, I mean, this guy's brain is so amazing. And when I said to him, because Brandon doesn't actually work for us, he, he's with us all that he's the family, he's got equity in the business, but he actually came to us as a social media consultant. And so when I rang him up, like, I mean, how many companies would continue working for free for someone and when they didn't have any money, like? You're asking them to keep doing that, what they're doing for no benefit, and you're asking them to invest in the unknown ultimately. And I went when I rang Brandon up and said I couldn't afford to pay him next month. He said, "Don't worry about it, mate. I know how you feel. We'll be all right." And, like, <laughs> and so, <clears throat> sorry, throat's choking up. Um, I think they're probably the moments where I can actually feel comfortable with that I am doing the right thing purely because of the way other people react to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and in terms of you and, and leadership then, does that come from somewhere? Does it come from somewhere? Look, everything that I do comes from the experience of dysfunction and seeing it done badly. And I mean, like I remember my first management job, it was horrendous. Or I was horrendous because I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I was a phenomenal salesperson. And my first management job, I had two or three people. And within six months, they'd all resigned. And, um, or yeah, resigned or I'd sacked one of them, maybe sacked. What a terrible word that is. Um, and it was like in the short term, it was great because all of a sudden the balance sheet was looking much more profitable because I was doing all the selling and I could handle all the selling because I run really fast. Um, We were spending a lot less money because we got rid of three salaries. But I I mean, I was awful because I was managing people based on me rather than them. Mm -hmm. And again, that comes back to what we do as a business, which is, Without people necessarily, I mean, 
they do realize it but it's not we don't put a light on it but the definition of oko or the 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 start and the training of oko is as a mentor your job is to support their dreams and ambitions yeah and actually that's the basis of i mean empowerment that is it management right there isn't it it's like focus on them who are they how do they work best and mold yourself around them don't walk into the room thinking you're the big man mm-hmm. and go you do what i say because quite frankly that's just not a very nice way to treat anyone is it i mean in a romantic relationship that's controlling and domestic abuse so mm-hmm. why would we do it at work and i think it it comes back to the point that i was just telling you about those two young guys is they made their choice to stay around and they made their choice to stay around because they're valued and mm-hmm. I think Sorry. it's brilliant what you're building. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And and so in terms of advice that you'd offer to someone, so going back maybe to the guy that's changing the tyres or to someone that's got aspirations to be a leader in the future, is there any sort of if I knew then what I know now moments that you could share? I think it's very relative to who you are as a person. And so for me, because I'm on the, the emotional end of the spectrum, uh, it would be essential for me to find something that I love kind of thing. But then you get people on other ends of spectrums and in different places. And, and um, I mean, again, I'll keep coming back to Oko. This is the whole validation point is that like this algorithm, it, it, it pairs people on similarities. And so when I get paired with the young people, um, I mean, I, I just I got paired with someone the other day, and like literally, his bio is like he's nineteen. He's like, I'm a social, um, I'm a social, economic entrepreneur or something like that. I want to change the world. I want to write policies, and and there's no one better than me to get paired with someone that's that ambitious because I just go right, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Whereas you put. I mean, and, and and as I understand it, a lot of mentoring dynamics in, in companies, um, sometimes they're systemized, but invariably that system is here's two people go and do it and the system is there to track, track or monitor or audit sort of thing. But then the other side of it is introduced by email, go on you two, and there's no kind of consideration or science. I mean, there's consideration, I'm sure, but there's no real science between it because... The things that make us similar are not the things that we can see or know, because if yeah. we don't know something, we can't know it kind of uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. Um, and so back to that question, I mean, if I'm mentoring someone and the algorithm has paired me with them, it if it, it goes down that line, which is let's find – I mean, I'm, I'm – at the moment, I've got five young people I'm mentoring. I've got a young Spanish lad, and um, he's doing a he's a he's a computer programmer. He's amazing, dad. It's great. Um, but and the, he, I mean, he's because he's emotional. He's like me. He shares a lot, kind of thing. And and he started off telling me about how he he works in the NHS and he's he's writing like he's writing code and developing products. And and I was like, do you enjoy it? And he said, well, because there's often a correlation with high um, conscientiousness or diligence when you're a computer programmer. You need to be quite specific. And he's he's not on the like the heavy end of discipline. And so I was like, as a, as a programmer, does that 
like how is that problematic for you kind of thing do you find your code gets picked up or what have you and he's like well no actually the thing that matters most to me is feeling wanted and needed and finding purpose and so the way that i kind of enable and encourage that side of me which is required to do what i like doing is doing it in a scenario where i feel like i'm doing something good and so that working in the nhs is very strategic for me it's like I want to do something which I can tie to adding to the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, I, it depends. Like for an emotional person, follow your heart kind of thing, 100%. If your motivation is different to that, mm-hmm. follow it. And so I guess actually ultimately the answer to that question is follow your instinct 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the other bit as well, which is um, quite... And I think it's imperative is everyone wants to give you advice and work out what advice to listen to and what not to listen to, because you could spend your life being confused by it. And then I think that comes back to consider the motivation of the people around you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I always go back to that kind of the Starbucks story and I can't remember exactly whether it's 395 or 485 or whatever it was like Starbucks guy went to, hundreds and hundreds of people asking for money to develop this new coffee thing. And uh, and they kept saying no to him. And, well, guess what? Starbucks is on every corner of every major city and yeah. more. And so uh, if it was 485, were 484 people right? Arguably not kind of thing. So work out what to listen to and um, and have confidence in yourself and where you are and, and don't give up, I would say. I think determination is is a key attribute of anyone. And if you believe in something, I mean, for example, like I mean, my previous business was a was a AI robotics thing out in um, in Silicon Valley. And as much as it was like it was advanced, it was cool, all that. I don't really care about automating back office finance policy processes and onboarding bits and stuff. Like, yes, it earned me some money and definitely earns me more money than this company did. But um, there was always going to be an end point to it because I didn't love it. So find something you love to take care of those around you and um, and always do the right thing over self-interest. Great. Because if you do that, you'll benefit as a result. And uh, if you focus on money, you'll be limited by a balance sheet. Yes. If you focus on success, the balance sheet will be all right. You just need to have the determination to go through it. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of over the next six to nine months, what's going to be happening at OCO that you can share with us? What are you excited about? Um, well, we're trying to change the world, really. <laughs> Not really, definitely. Um, and the point is, is we've built something without any limitations. All the barriers that young people usually experience, which is like if you don't live in London, I mean, not just London, but you get the point. If you don't live in London, you haven't got any access. Um, if you don't know someone or you come from a place that isn't uh, exposed to the world, for example, then you're limited to your own experience, the the, the realms of you around you, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, I mean, Oco is there to deliver a mentor to every young person. And and don't be wrong, we're on the 16th of August today, and um, time is running away with us. But 
uh, by hook or by crook, I will find a way of, or we will find a way. And I want to be really clear, like the team um, and, and more than our team, there's a lot of people supporting OCO at the moment, which is amazing and really humbling. But um, it is a case of getting the business community around OCO. Um, unfortunately, when the business community look at it, they go, oh, wow that really does work and it's really inexpensive and it does a lot of stuff that we can't achieve in the current market. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's about getting the business community around OCO and delivering 2 million mentoring relationships. And and if we can, um, if we can make that happen, the world will be a different place. And and so, yeah, call out to um, to any of your business folk if you want to make your company a better place and you want to enable a culture of leadership beyond your leaders and you want to get your employees together uh, and you want to get them feeling happy and purpose-driven, come and go to the OGO website, sign up. It's a £1,000 a year platform fee and it's 50 quid a head per mentor. And um, if you can find a more effective, um, scalable leadership programme anywhere near the price i mean a there isn't anyone that does what we do so price is kind of irrelevant but the commercial model behind it was so that when you look at it and you go well it does that it does that it does that and it does that and then you ask me how much it is i go it's 50 quid ahead and you go right let's do it mm-hmm. fantastic well i'm i'm on board i'm on board so if anybody wants any more information then either get in touch with dave or get in touch with us and we can point you in the right direction but Dave, it's been brilliant. I've enjoyed speaking with you again. It's been a really good conversation. So thank you. Likewise. Thanks, Amy.